Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. So we're going to start a series today. I'm going to do like an intro, kind of a message, just picking out two verses out of a book in the Bible. And um, I don't know if you're aware, uh, but I used to do something kind of creepy, some people think. Uh, several years ago, uh, when I was still a youth pastor at this church, uh, my office used to be on the back side of the desert, back way over there. And in order to get away from things, I would often walk out the door out the front towards 180 here, the farthest door from where I'm sitting right now. And I'd walk out around and I would walk through the cemetery and pray. There's a cemetery back here behind our, old, behind our youth building. And I'd walk through there and pray. And people thought that was weird, but it's quiet back there. Or at least it used to be. There's other things that happened and prevented that from happening anymore. But it used to be a really quiet place to pray. And I, I would walk past these, these gravestones. And I, as I'd walk past the gravestones, I would, I would notice, I would stop at times. I, 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 you know Doug from Up? Anybody know Doug, the dog? Anybody know Doug? Welcome to Doug. Hello. Um, I can get easily sidetracked. One reason I left the building was because I get sidetracked with stuff I have to do. So to go pray, I have to get outside. But then that didn't always work because I'd walk by and I'd see a gravestone. And for whatever reason, my mind would be captivated by that gravestone. And suddenly I start to imagine what it must have been like to live in that person's life. It's weird. There's some people back there that are buried in this graveyard that, 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 are, that are revolutionary war veterans. And so I'd sit and go, wow, it must have been. And it'd be up to I go, dude, I wouldn't want to live when they lived at all. And I noticed something on all the gravestones. There's, there's, this, there's, this, there's this long line, date, uh, um, you know, month, day, year. And there's this other one on the other side, month, day, and year. And they're really long on the, on the gravestone. Birth, death, there. The longest bits of information. And in between those, those long bits of information is this thing about this long. The dash. And I begin to wonder why we give so much press to the end and the beginning and not much to the middle. Because the thing that makes the birth and the death dates that important is what happens in the middle. You ever thought about the, like the birth? Now moms were just celebrating you know, Mother's Day. I don't want to belittle anything. I, I, man, one of the things that made my wife my hero was watching her give birth four times. Dude, that's just like off the chart, right? I mean, I, wow, I don't even know. I mean, I, I can't, ooh. I mean, I, and smile. Like, what if she just smiled all the way through it? I don't even know how she did that. And no drugs. And I went, wow, that's amazing. And I, I just, you know, but just think about it. Like the actual birthing of a child, when that head crowns out of that birth canal, it's like almost, almost instantaneous, right? I mean, like it, it's, and it's out. Now, I know the labor way before that is sometimes excruciating. I, I, I get that piece. I've been there, saw it. No, but I'm just saying the actual birth itself, the, the time of birth is like, whoop, and there it is, right? The, the head, and all of a sudden, that last push comes, and zoom, and the, and the doctor's got to play catcher, right? <laughs> but think about also the other end of the equation. Sometimes the process of dying can be excruciating, but the actual moment of death is like, whoop, take a breath, and it's over, right? And we give lots of press to those instantaneous moments and give no value sometimes to the thing in between that adds value to both of them. 
And so we spend a lot of time, us as human beings, spend a lot of time worrying about, we, we, we spend a lot of time on this one or that one. Some of us live in the glory days. Back when? And we think about a time closer to our birth than where we are right now and how great that was. Some of us, that back when is awful. And we've never matured out of it. We, we have suffered such pain and such agony in our own families that, 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 that we are still stuck there. We've never progressed past 10 or whatever emotionally. And we're just stuck. And, and we're living in that close-to-birth moment where things were horrible. Others of us are so ate about what might happen later that, 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 that we don't know which end is up. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about the next time. And we start worrying about getting closer and closer to that, to that, that other date on the gravestone, Right? We spend so much time doing those things that we forget there's something right in between. Some of us are so expecting better things tomorrow, we forget to live in today. And some of us are so, so expecting awful things tomorrow, we forget to live in today. And so we, we, we have to understand something, that, that, that God is in the middle of both those dates. The book, the, book, the Bible, we believe, you know what, I, I I tried to sit down. I did. <laughs> I, I got sent a, a thing that from a, that, that, that a, a local church posted on Instagram or something that, that lately that just made me mad. It said something like, the Bible's like GPS. Get you somewhere, blah, 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 something it said, and sometimes wrong. What? And I thought, well, we're messed up. We are such messed up people. And that, was, that wasn't some, some atheist group that sent that out. That was a church. Can I say something to you? God has something to say about every facet of your life. It is found in this thing. Well, there's a Bible one, an electronic Bible in here, okay? Don't get it. You know. No, listen. There's something for us for today. We, we need to talk about life, and we need to talk about death, but we need to talk about everything else in between. And, and as people of God, we've got to understand something, that the dash is meant to have joy in people and in purpose and even in problems. The dash is meant to have joy in people and in purpose and in problems. And kind of look at that. We're going to look at a piece of scripture from Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3, verse 12 says this. So I concluded there's nothing better, New Living Translation says, than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. You'll find this idea, this phrase, this, this message kind of woven throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, somewhat reworded at times, but in general, this is kind of a conclusion that the writer of Ecclesiastes keeps coming back to. Now, I might, I might add this statement to it. This dude lived, did a lot of living. We'll talk about that next time. But, but he's done a lot of living, and he's known to be the wisest man on the planet next to Jesus. And so when he comes to a conclusion, we probably ought to pay attention. Just saying. Right? And the same, the same passage of Scripture in the, in the English Standard Version reads like this. He says, I perceive that there's nothing better for them, for people, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. 
Also, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. See, there's a connection between joy and interaction with others and joy and doing what we should. There's a connection that the work of our, li- that the work of our lives revolve around those things. The, the function of our lives revolves around people and it revolves around work. It revolves around purpose. It revolves around those kinds of things. Now, here's the thing. We, we, can, we can decide from just these two verses. Relationships are drastically important. Some of you sitting here today are only here because you want to help mom. You would rather not be around a bunch of people. But mom asked, and it's Mother's Day, so you're here. Get that. You ever heard the story about the guy who, who, who went to church? He was going to go to church in the morning, and, and he got up, and, and he said, Mom, I don't want to go to church. Those people are mean. They tell me, call me bad names. They, they, don't, they, they just want things for themselves. And, and, and she, go, he go, she goes, now, son, you've got to get up and you've got to go to church. He's like, well, give me one good reason why. And she said, because you're the pastor. <laughs> and so sometimes we pastors get that too. I understand completely. Completely get it. Um, you know, sometimes people, but relationships are really, really important. And so doing good, he, he talks about in, in Ecclesiastes 3.12, he says doing good. This, there's an implication of doing good. Doing good means I'm doing something that benefits someone else. So even in that doing good, there's an implication of relationship attached to that. Interaction, human interaction. And he says eating and drinking imply that. Some of you are, uh-oh, where's Aaron going? Now listen to me. All over the scriptures, you will find that God calls relationships sitting around a table and eating and drinking with someone. Everywhere. Jesus does what with his last moments of time with his best buddies? He sits around the table and we commemorate something called what? The Last Supper. That's correct. Revelation 3.20. Jesus makes this statement prophetically. He says, behold, I stand like this and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will teach him great theology. If any man hears my voice, I will come in and we'll sing great worship songs. He says, if any man hears my voice, I'll come in and we'll eat together. We'll dine together. I understand understand that God, Jesus, just, just doesn't want this with you. He wants all of life with you. And that's why there's a couch and chairs and a nice homey situation. Because we believe something right here, that circles are better than rows. The real value of the body of Christ is this connectedness to one another, not that it understands real truth all the, you know, so, so explicitly. That it does life well together. Jesus would say these words, that, 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 that those who, who follow me, you'll be known as my disciples by the way you love, that's interaction, one another, right? So these relational aspects are really important. But calling and purpose are drastically important as well. Doing good has a work element attached to it, right? There's, gotta be, there's an activity and a function, an action involved in that. Now, now, it also talks about, depending on which translation we look at there, there's, there's the words toil or labor. They, they, they imply a, 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 an effort attached to doing something in life, right? Am I, am I right about that? So here's the deal. Purpose and calling are really drastically important. But here's the other part. Toil and labor have another thing they imply, don't they? Don't they imply hardship? Turmoil? Friction? 
And it's implying that carrying out your purpose and the relationships might be a little bit hard at times. Isn't it? Here's the funny part. Solomon lets us know right here, right now, that people, purpose, and problems are all gifts from God. All three of them. He says so right there in the, in the Bible. People, purpose, and problems are all gifts from God. So, let's talk about people for a minute. Can I get an amen? All right, we'll, t- we'll, take, we'll take a vote, right? Okay. Relating to people can be hard. Right? It's excruciating at times, right? Here's the thing. God started this thing called life on planet Earth with a relational intention. He created every one of us for for the purpose of interacting with himself. We are to be relational beings. Relating to people is hard, not because God made relationships hard, but because we did. Relationships became hard because we deviated from the path God laid out. Genesis 1, God says he wanted, to, he wanted to have interaction with man. Genesis 2, it talks about God and man having interaction and conversation. Genesis 3 says this, man did something God told him he shouldn't do, and so all of a sudden the relationship was broken. Blam. And so now relationships are hard because we went off path, but because God did. Some of you think right now you're having a hard time getting, to, getting close to God because of God. No, you're not. It ain't his fault. And that's good, so don't have vernacular, ain't. Everybody understands, right? Huh? Listen, this is messy. Relationships are messy. People are messy. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. Now pat, pat him on the shoulder or something and go, it's okay, I am too. Now that we're all in the same boat together, right? Okay? Relationships can be hard. And here's the fact. Because of that fall in the garden, and I don't have time to go through it, but just understand this. God had a plan. Man messed it up. Took us all of three chapters in the Bible to mess it up. Three. Three. God had a perfect thing going on. Took us three chapters to just blow the thing to pieces. And since that moment, relationships have been all but impossible. When I do a marriage ceremony, I look at the couple and I say this thing. The Bible says, I'm going to read this passage of scripture toward the end. The Bible says these words, that in this world you will have trouble. And my guess is, married couple, by the time you get somewhere tonight, you're probably going to have had some kind of trouble. And most most of the other married people go, amen, right in the middle of the ceremony, you know. (laughs) That's right. Because it's just all but, impo- you know, we, we, we just keep messing things up. We, 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 are, we get in the way and things get messy. Things get hard. Now, can I say something to you? Because of that fall, here's what happened. Where, where there was supposed to be openness, there's a beautiful piece of scripture in Genesis 2. Okay? God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He created a relationship for man. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. He knows it's not good for us to be alone, but we keep trying to find a way to be alone and be away from people and not interact with people. We keep trying to find a way, and God says, it's not good for you. Don't do that. He creates a woman for a man. The first marriage is begun, and here's the words it says in Genesis 2, 24, 25. It says these words. It says, they were naked and they were not ashamed. You know what that means? There was no walls. There was no suspicion. 
There was nothing to hamper the relationship. Everything was out in the open. But what happens in chapter 3 is suddenly suspicion enters in. Guilt enters in. Shame enters in. Uh, all sorts of other things come in and they overshadow this interaction God intends to have with us and the interaction we intend to have with one another or should have with one another. And it's been messed up ever since. But God still intends joy in relationships and out of relationships. At every level. Now the other piece of this equation, remember the dash should have joy in people, purpose, and problems. Your dash should have joy in people, in purpose, and in problems. Here's something else I know. Finding and walking in your purpose, it's really hard too. How many got any any amens on that? How many of you like, dude, like I spent spent a lot of my time trying to figure out what, what my life is supposed to be all about. Trying to find, sometimes we find it and then carrying it out seems all but impossible. Sometimes for some of us, trying to find it seems all but impossible. Am I right? Now, why is that? Well, let's go back to the beginning again. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, God creates man, and the first thing he does is give him something to do. Genesis 1, he says, be fruitful and multiply. You have a function. Genesis chapter 2, he tells him to guard and tend the garden. He tells him to, 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 uh, Name all the animals. And God gave man function before he gave him another human relationship because the human relationship doesn't happen until the end of Genesis chapter 2. And so here's the deal. The things that get jacked up in the fall are our relationships and our ability to find out what we're made for. The first two things God gave us, relationship and purpose, are, are, are completely hard to figure out now because of that. And we all have, have this thing running through our, our bodies called sin. I have never had to teach my kids how to cheat. <laughs> I've never had to teach them how to lie. I've never had to teach them how to do, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. You know, they hear a new word and they say it. You go, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. And they're just like drawn to those words, right? They want to try them out on everybody. No, don't do that. That's, where did you hear that? You know, you try to get them to say, I'm sorry. A good word, they're like, no, I'm not doing that. And they find a little word, you're like, Right? Tell your brother you love him. I love you. Hey, I just learned a new word. Blam. And you're like, no, 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 no. Hey. That's real, right? Purpose became laborious because of that sin issue. God looks at Adam and he says, from now on, you will have to toil in your work. You will have to sweat. There will be thorns and thistles that will grow up. And the work I gave you to do will become really, really difficult. This idea of sort of not because God did anything, but because, Adam, you let something in or I didn't intend. And so finding our purpose is hard. Here's the problem. The purpose, our calling... Some of you think I'm getting spooky now. I don't know if I have a calling. I'll just work at the mill. Yeah, you've got a calling, man. And the reason you don't, you're wondering, because this calling thing becomes elusive. You know why? We've been separated from the caller. There is this one in heaven who made you, designed you on purpose. And suddenly you find yourself separated from him, and suddenly you can't make sense of life, right? And the key to getting back to find out what you were made for is to find him first. Because he's the one with the manual. Us guys are infamous for bringing something home from the store and just tearing the box open and going to town, right? And then like three steps in, just like the, the people in Genesis, three steps in, we go, dude, I got this messed up. Right? Oh, I thought it'd be easy. And then you got to do what? You got to reach for the manual that connects you back to the region the person made it in the first place, right? You go, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. I was, all, I was, I was out of whack. 
It wasn't the manufacturer's problem it was hard to put together. It was your problem. And so finding purpose and calling becomes elusive because we're separated from the caller. Now here's the problem with that. Problems erupt, they develop because of difficulties with people and purpose. Am I right? Think of your problems right now. My guess is there's either a people problem attached to that problem or a purpose problem attached to that problem. Am I right? Right now, just make a list of all the problems you're facing right now in life and, 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 and then categorize them. I'll bet you you can tag people or purpose to one of them. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. Huh? Every one of them. And so here's the deal. Problems erupt because sin-born people... Patrick stood right here a minute ago. Did you hear him? Sometimes I feel as messed up right now as I did when I got saved. Huh? Am I... Sometimes I feel as messed up now as I did before I got saved. You have those moments? I have those moments. I'm thinking, do somebody know what? I don't know which end is up. Because I'm a sin-born person. And sin-born people have to interact with other sin-born people. That, that, that creates sin-filled problems. And you know what sin really is in its deeper, in, 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 in its purest form? is the idea of pride and selfishness kind of slapped together. That's what sin is. And that created sin-centered circumstances that attempt to steal hope and peace from us, evaporating our God-centeredness and our other, and, and, and disables from being others-focused, and that... The, disrupts our interaction and our purpose am i right but see god intends that the dash should have joy in people joy in problems joy in purpose and i know it's out of order but you'll forgive me right dude the thing's wrong here's how solomon says these words people purpose and problems are gifts for uncovering what really matters God's put people in your life right now to help you uncover what really matters. And if you segregate yourself from people, there's going to be a piece of the puzzle you're not going to get. God's put function in front of you, a purpose for this day. And if you segregate yourself from the purpose of this day, there'll be an element of figuring out what really matters you'll miss. And guess what? Even the problems you're experiencing right now are grace in the hands of God to help you figure out what really matters. You know how we are as people, right? We, 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 we float through life until a problem erupts, right? Ain't no sense in fixing something that ain't broke. And the problem is this. It's broke, we just don't realize it. Two weeks ago, I had something pop up, and I was just floating through life. Just floating through life. Thought things were good. Had a Monday evening that rocked my world, man. And I ain't been the same since. What I found out, I found a problem. And the problem went, dude, you're missing some stuff that really matters. You're, you, you are missing some things. And there are some things about, your, about the way you're living life that aren't healthy. There are some things going on in the context of your personal world that you've just kind of glossed over. And God, God in his grace went, I'm not letting you keep walking that path. That's what he said. And guess what? It had to do with some people in my life. 
had to do with a piece of it had to do with the purpose of my life, and it's all kind of bubbling up together, all at the same place at the same time. That's me. At times, those conversations we're supposed to interact with are supposed to help us see clearly what's really going on with our lives. Some of you won't let somebody else speak life into your life. You won't let them. If somebody approaches you about something they think you're missing in life, you get angry and you get mad. And that person is there on purpose by the hands of God to help you see clearly. Some of you loathe the tasks that are in front of you. You hate the work that you have to do. You hate the, the, the to-do list and all that stuff. And right now, if you'll submit those things to God, God will help you see clearly what he created you for. Just saying. Problems force us to deal with our, pe- with, with our people. Am I right? Huh? And, perp- and pe- purpose issues, thereby force us to decide whether we're going to keep living the way we are concentrating on things that don't matter or if we're going to make a change and start concentrating on things that really do matter. That's what they're all about. Here's the deal. God intends joy in three areas. Purposeful passion. I spent all of April explaining to you that, that God didn't intend for you a deathly existence. That Jesus came, that song, song we sang and sang twice, that Jesus came to resurrect you out of death. And he wasn't talking necessarily about physically in that statement. He was talking about all of life. Many of us live in a, live in a state of death. We eat, we breathe, we excrete, we do all the other things. And guess what? We're not alive. Biologically, we're alive, but we're not alive. We're working, we're doing stuff. Jesus did not intend that. He said, I come that you might have life and you would have it more abundantly. He intends that. He intends joy through purposeful passion. Your life is important because you are made in the image of God. And he saw you before the beginning of time. This is not humanistic thought. This is biblical thought thought found in the scripture. And the only way you find that passion that God created for is by first locating the caller, the manufacturer of the life, the one who wove the body together in the darkness of the womb. And here's the deal. He wants you to have a passion about living the life he gave you, the gift he gave you of life. Another thing he wants for you is passionate relationships. He wants you to be purposefully engaged with other people with intense zeal, that you will speak truth when it hurts that you'll celebrate when life is good, that you'll pray for one another when things are difficult, that you'll engage the, 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 the people around you with so much joy and so much love and so much peace that it revolutionizes how they see life, how the people around you see life. He intends joy in purposeful passion and passionate relationships, and he intends joy from pushing through problems. And some of you keep trying to skirt around the problems. Not remembering that Jesus, that Paul writes these words, that all things work together for our good if we love God and are the called according to his purpose. That he saw us before things began. And that he intends for us to be shaped into the likeness and image of Christ. You know how he does that? Through our problems. Right previous to that, Paul talked about us groaning in this life, that there are things happening we can't make sense of. And he says, listen, how many of you ever know, like when, you, when, when you're in the middle of a great relationship, isn't life awesome? Huh? Yeah. Am I right? 
when you, when you wake up one day and things go like according to the plan and all of a sudden something real significant happens, don't you go, dude, this is it, man. This is what life is all about. How about when challenge comes? How about when you overcome it, you accomplish something you didn't think you could accomplish or you, you deal with a problem that's overwhelming and all of a sudden you get through and you go, yes. Let me prove my point. City of Chicago. City of Cleveland, this last year, right? To use a sports analogy, to face every kind of mess there is known to the planet on sports and finally win something significant, the whole city rejoiced, right? To having overcome finally. Am I right? Am I right? And so you know that's true. But you keep trying to get around the problems. You keep trying to get away from the people. You keep trying to skirt, away the re- skirt around the reason God made you. And listen, you're never going to find joy as long as you keep trying to take a detour away from those things. Now, Mom, am I preaching good or what? Huh? Huh? Mom, I might be the answer to your prayers right now. Because you know how it is? You tell your kids something, something, something over again, and they just don't listen, and somebody else goes, and they go, guess what somebody told me today? And you went, I've been saying that for 15 years. (laughs) Huh? Now, there's a father in heaven who says, listen, your life is purposeful. Your relationships are purposeful by me. Even your problems are purposeful by me. And check this out. I'm going to walk this thing out with you. Because he intends joy in people. He intends joy in purpose. He intends joy in problems. And say, John 16, 33, Jesus utters the most amazing words. I've told you all this so you may have peace. But he doesn't put a period there. Which sounds great all by itself, right? I have told you all these things that you might have peace. And then he adds a prepositional phrase at the end. In me. Everything that's written in this book we're talking about is written for the purpose that you might have peace. But the only way you're going to find peace is in the person the whole book is about. His name is Christ Jesus. In him. Your life doesn't have peace, and it doesn't have joy, and it feels wrung out, and your dash doesn't make sense right now. You know why? Because you're separated from him. Some of you right now aren't separated from him, but you're like, dude, it's been a long time since I felt that. You know why? Because probably, much like those people in Genesis chapter 3, there was something God had intended, and he said, do this, and you went, yeah, I don't really want to do that. He said, Go this way. And you went, ah, I'm too busy today. And you've ventured off the path. He hadn't gone anywhere. You've walked with Jesus. I'll use the word walk with Jesus, but suddenly there's, you know, there's a two-mile gap between where he is and where you are. And I'm not doubting your salvation or anything. I'm just doubting whether, how, the closeness of the relationship. Because you can't have peace apart from him. He is the prince of it, what the Bible says. And so you keep trying to live life and do your own thing. And he's like, listen, you've got to have peace in me. You've got to be in me. He goes on to say these words. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And we don't want to talk about that. Because the first person we blame when we have a problem is God. 
on this earth, in this terrestrial sphere floating through the universe, you will have problems. Some of you thought because you came to Christ, everything would, it, would, 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 would just smooth out. Everything would be great. And some preacher somewhere told you you should say certain things and certain things had happened and they didn't. And now you're frustrated and you're angry and you're blaming God. Some of you are sitting here today going, why me? Am I right? Why am I here? Why am I in the middle of this? Why is this happening to me? Can I say something to you? Welcome to the human race. Welcome to life on this planet. It's here in the Bible. It says there is trouble, and it says there is sorrow. And so you should stop saying, why me? And start going, why not me? Because the most perfect person ever lived died awfully. If anybody had a reason to go, why me? It was him. None of you have the resume he had, promise. You don't have anything to go, you know, I just don't deserve all this. Yeah, oh my goodness, really? Really? Huh? So somehow you think you've got an exemption card from li- living the human experience. That all people everywhere should be nice to me. That everything every day ought to go my way. You know what that is? That's horrible Western culture philosophy. That's what that is. That's not biblical. It is not. You have problems because you live on a planet with people who are just as messed up as you are. That's why. And it's going to keep being messy, but God intervenes and he offers the human race grace they don't deserve, forgiveness they don't deserve, mercy they don't deserve, and he keeps pouring out his goodness in the middle of it. And he wants to be, you to be an, 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 an example of what it looks like to deal with really horrible things and still have grace and mercy just like Jesus. Because he's the one hanging on the cross, right? And he goes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the middle of that, he offers forgiveness. Me, in the middle of that, I go, I start complaining and kicking the can and kicking the dog and whatever else is going on. I'm getting really frustrated. And I'm not exemplifying joy and peace like Jesus talks about here in John 16. I'm, 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 I'm exampling frustration. I'm exampling anger. I'm exampling faithlessness because I thought life was supposed to be all about me. And it's never been all about you. It's always been about the one who made you and the others he called you to do life with. Always. Those things have never changed. Speak those these words. Listen to this. We're going to have tomorrow. But listen to these words Jesus says. But take heart. Some translations say but take courage. Other places it says, have joy. Be joyful. Why? Jesus says, I have overcome the world. See, the joy in the dash for people, purpose, and problems is found in our connection to Jesus. No other place. Not in some self-help book. Not in some self-help videos on YouTube. Not because you take a course or a class. Not because you, you, you do just the right things and chant just the right mantra. Not because of any of that stuff. It is because you reconnect yourself to the one who created you through the death of his son on a cross. Experience the life he gives because of his resurrection from the tomb. And then suddenly people, purpose, and problems have a whole other light. Because then you can dish out things people don't deserve because you know you've gotten things you don't deserve. 
You suddenly realize this one great everything has a purpose for you. And suddenly things begin to look different. And suddenly problems take on a whole other level because they're not, ex- they're not a chance for me to, to fall down in disarray and discouragement. They're a chance for me to exemplify what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. So let me ask you a question. How, how, how's your connection to Jesus today? How is it? Because today's the day you can get that right. Today's the day you can go, Jesus, I know there's a gap between me and you. That's for you who, who aren't followers of Jesus yet and for those of you who are. Some of you have never made a commitment to follow Jesus and you're, you're frustrated with people in your life and you're frustrated with your purpose and, you, and all, there's problems all around and Jesus is saying, listen, I'll, I'll help you walk through that. I'll help you. I'm the one who wrote the manual. Grab my hand and walk. And he says, if you come to me, I'll no wise cast you. If we're humble in spirit, if we're brokenhearted, he says, he, know, he doesn't cast those kinds of people away. He says, come to me. Those of you who walk with Jesus for a while and you find yourself separated from him, today will be the day to, to rejoin him on, on, his, on his path, not your own. To go back to doing what he, what he told you to do and you decided to deviate that day or whatever it was, the thing that disrupted the, the closeness of relation between you and him. Let me ask you another question. How are your connections to people? Because Jesus wired this kingdom thing that this couldn't be right if this wasn't right. It's true. He said, before you come to me, you go be right with your brother before you come to me. So some of you have no joy because your, your, your relationships are messed up. And you know that's true. And God's told you to offer forgiveness or to ask for it, and you keep saying no. He keeps telling you to offer grace, and you keep saying no. He keeps telling you to offer mercy, and you keep saying no. And you want to be right more than you want to be right with somebody. Isn't it true? How's your connection to your purpose today? Just asking. How's your connection to why you were made in the first place? Because if you're having trouble connecting to that, it makes sense that the rest of it's messed up. You know sometimes you come home from work and because your day's been awful, it bleeds over onto everybody else. Because life doesn't make sense and the, the, the task list means nothing and the routine has gotten old and you're just trying to figure out none of this makes sense and the people you love the most get the brunt of it because you're, you're just uh, about everything. It's got to change. And the only way it changes, you come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you say about today? The Bible tells us to pick up our cross daily and follow him. So he's got a plan for you today. It's not just to eat dinner at Bob Evans and walk out and go be lazy and fat <laughs> and watch the NBA playoffs. He intends, like Derek said last week, for you to have an interaction with somebody that changes their world. Ask them if you can pray for them. Ask, them, ask somebody if, 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 if you can do something significant for them because they need help. Let me ask you one more question. What's your view of your problems? Are, your problem, are you a victim? Or do you see your problem as a chance to overcome something? Because the Bible says in Romans 8, if we're in Jesus, again, tacking all this back to being in Christ, that's the connection point. If we're in Christ, 
We are more than conquerors. And Paul goes through a list of ugly, horrible, awful things the human race has to go through. And he says, listen, in Christ, we are more than conquerors for him who loved us. And so how are you seeing your problem? How are you seeing it? Can I encourage you today? Get right with... Some of you need to go home and have the conversation with mom. You just need to. I don't care what the distance is. I don't care what time goes away. Listen, we've had enough death around here and disease. Listen, time is wasting. Don't let this day get away from you. Don't. Can I say something else? Look at your problem this way. Look at your problem as a chance for the image of Christ to be formed in you. Look at your problem as a chance for you to understand what really matters. Look at your problem as a chance to get right with people. Look at your problem as a chance to figure out what God's wired you for. Look at it that way. And look at your problem as overcomable. Are you hearing me? Some of you are ready for Mother's Day dinner. And I don't blame you. I hope mom's not doing all the cooking. Or any of it for that matter. If you need, the, you need to have a moment with Jesus and reestablish, reconnect to him or establish a connection to him, that's the only thing that make any of life, anything about life make sense. Life, death, and everything in between. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.